So here we are, the second week of January, also known as the second Sunday of, of Epiphany. Epiphany is that second part of the church calendar, begins in Advent, four weeks before Christmas. Advent goes through Christmas. After Christmas, we begin celebrating Epiphany. Another word for Epiphany, Revelation. So here we are at a revelation, a manifestation, that point in time, but we skip all the way from the first Sunday in Epiphany. We usually talk about the Magi, the three wise men who came to see Jesus and the revelation of Christ to them. This Sunday, we jump all the way to Jesus' baptism, from birth to baptism. Hmm. Might be a message there. Uh, First, let us, let us pray together. Father, we thank you that we are able to gather here today and worship you. Please move us to worship you in both spirit and truth. Heal those who are unable to be with us today and surround them with an extra portion of your fellowship, reflecting your love. And finally, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. So, one of the most famous baptisms in history occurred probably last year, right? You all heard the story about the child who was baptized, little Johnny's sister was being baptized in church? No? Okay. He was being, she was being baptized in church, and he stood and watched the pastor go through the entire ceremony, and after the ceremony, he ran out of church, ran all the way to the car. His parents eventually followed and got in the car and started to take him home, but he was still crying all the way. And they asked him why he was crying, and he refused to answer. Finally, his mom reached into that bag of cornucopia, also known as her purse, I guess, and pulled out his favorite candy bar, gave it to him. And before he could grab it, she said, ah, why are you crying? He said, well, didn't you hear what the pastor said? He wants you to raise us in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. <laughs> well, hopefully that's not a revelation, right? Well, I suspect Jesus' siblings were also wondering what was going on in their home at the same time. But for different reasons, very different reasons. Jesus' baptism is one of the four events, excuse me, one of the events recorded in all four Gospels. So it's pretty important. We should pay attention to it. The early church did, and they thought it was a big deal. In fact, Jesus' baptism is a big deal but there's not a lot written about it. Mark's gospel is rather short, gives the briefest of details, and it's a bit surprising that the historian Luke does not give us really much more. John, as Chris read, gives us some of the doctrinal background, but Matthew, the focus of our study this morning, Matthew gives the most details of Jesus' baptism, and I'm sure the, the story is well known. John the Baptist has been summoning people everywhere to repent and be baptized. And Jesus, along with lots of other people, responds, and he's baptized. But have you ever wondered, why would Jesus need to be baptized? No one's ever wondered this. Okay. Jesus is the sinless son of God, right? So the incarnate Son of God needs to repent, right? 
well, before my fellow deacons come and drag me from the lectern, no, Jesus did not need to repent. He's sinless. But how would the Jews have understood what John was saying? In Jewish culture, the baptism meant was surrounded by the works in Genesis, the words in Genesis. The world began in water and was renewed by immersion. The people of Israel, think to Noah in that case, the people of Israel were led through the waters both before they met God at Sinai and again before they entered the promised land. And so while John is calling everyone to a baptism of repentance, this is the space that occupies in their mind. Also, priests would wash their hands and feet every time in a large basin. It's called a mikvah, in case those of you who need a Hebrew word for the day. I know that's you, Lois. Before conducting any act of service before the Lord in the temple, they would wash. So just also, just also a man would be baptized before he began his ministry. And now we begin to see the connection to Christ. It's a sign that the man was both clean inside and outside, and he's ready to meet his God, and his spirit has been renewed. And that's how the Jews would have understood John the Baptist's call to a baptism of repentance. But I think Matthew's account also gives us a clue as to why Jesus was baptized. Recall that John the Baptist had first refused to baptize Jesus. I like that. Somebody says, no, Jesus, I won't dip you in the water. And Jesus says, well, notice, by the way, Jesus never refutes the reason John gives. Do you recall the reason John gave? I'm not worthy to baptize you. Jesus never contradicts him. Jesus says, well, uh, let's do this to make sure all the righteousness, make sure the formalities, make sure all that is needful is done. Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And what does Jesus mean by that? Here's what I think he meant. By submitting to baptism, Jesus acknowledged God's claim on him, as well as others, for the total consecration of his life and the holiness of character. And that total consecration, in case those words don't have a deep enough resonance for you, here's some synonyms. To dedicate, to devote, to give over, to set aside, set apart, assign, allot, allocate, to reserve, to commit, to apply, to consign, to pledge, to vow, to offer, to surrender, and finally, to sacrifice. That's what Jesus was getting at. Ultimately, there are three reasons that Jesus was baptized. Establishing his commitment, the commencement of his ministry, and the commission that he would fulfill in his life. You have those three points, Alex? So the first reason I believe Jesus was baptized was that his baptism was a sign of his complete dedication to following the will of God. Pretty straightforward. Die to sin, 
rise to live. And that's how we accomplish it, right? Why had all those people been baptized previously and that had not accomplished it? How is it that John could call them to a baptism of repentance? But in Jesus' case, this is a declaration of his love of the Father and that he was going to follow the will of God in his life. You'll recall Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That was the ultimate submission to his Father's will, to go to the cross for our sakes, to reconcile us to the Father. But following the Father's will was painful, and baptism was the first step. So what again was Jesus talking about when he mentioned that he had to fulfill all righteousness? So we'll look at what Jesus went through in his baptism and compare that to the Old Testament. That's all the Jews had at that time, right? We can see that he was most probably baptized in order to fulfill all the legal requirements to enter into the priesthood. The priesthood being, in his case, the Melchizedek priesthood that's mentioned in Hebrews 5. Throw those out there for those of you who need to go look those up. Who is Melchizedek and why is Jesus following in that priesthood? But the priest then offered sacrifice to God on behalf of the people. And note that Jesus himself became the sacrifice for our sin in his role as priest. He offered himself as the sacrifice. And he was baptized so he could do that. In Exodus 29, we have the verses that tell us what a priest had to do in the Old Testament. Bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Uh, that word wash there, they got washed in that thing called a mikvah, and it's, the Greek word for that is baptismo. And then he says, you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on the head and anoint him. That anointing, by the way, will come when the Holy Spirit alights on Christ. That oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus' baptism was a little more than what was going on with Aaron and the priests then. <clears throat> just, as Jesus, just as a Christian baptism is greater than John's, as Christ, was, excuse me, as Christ was greater than John, a Christian baptism is greater than John's also. The Holy Spirit is given, forgiveness of sins. is provided. The origin of this sacrament is Jesus' own baptism, of course, and he had no need to be cleansed, but rather he sanctified the waters that now cleanse us. Set that apart, made it holy for us as a way to enter into relationship, right relationship with God the Father. Jesus' baptism takes on an added dimension when we look at who John was. Remember, John was that prophet that was to prepare a way in the wilderness for the Messiah. John was a, a descendant of Levi. Both his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were of the house of Levi. They were Levites of the priestly, priestly class. And so one of the duties of those priests was to present the sacrifice, and there we get the words from John. Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is something that John the Baptist was told he was going to do, to identify the Messiah to people. And he got to do it. So the very revelations that are occurring to him, that have occurred to him, are unfolding right in front of him. What a joyous day that must have been for John the Baptist. And why we also, also should celebrate with joy the life of John the Baptist. But John makes clear that his baptism of repentance is bringing people into being who are ready for the coming Messiah. And those people are not strictly identified with Jewishness. They're identified with repentance. Judaism was a multi-ethnic religion at this time. And John the Baptist is saying, uh, your Abrahamic ethnicity isn't going to cut it for he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He also had refused to baptize someone else, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, who came to the River Jordan looking to be baptized. We're not sure exactly what their true motivation was. If John was a prophet, maybe to be baptized in forgiven sins. And if John wasn't, well, to condemn him and stone him. Either way, it makes no difference to us. The Pharisees would still be in charge. Sadducees would still be in charge. The Sanhedrin would still say who was and who wasn't giving proper worship to God. But John turns it on them and says, nope, you brood of vipers. I always loved that. <laughs> nothing, nothing like a little PC welcoming language. <laughs> you brood of vipers. Okay, glad I came today. <laughs> well, John wanted to see the fruits of repentance. He knew their hearts. Just like we heard Denise say today. John could see the watermark, and he was looking for a watermark. And that watermark was the fruit of repentance. And he could tell the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and what they were faking it. Nope, no baptism for you. Which pulls us into the second reason Jesus was baptized. The commencement, the start of his ministry on earth. That one's pretty straightforward for everyone. In addition to Exodus, 20, Exodus 29, there is a verse in Numbers. And here God tells Moses and Aaron who will get to serve as priests? The key verse here is verse 3. These are the males of the heads of the household from 30 years and upward, even to 50 years. So you've got to be 30 years of age or up to 50 before you could serve in the temple. Luke later tells us that Jesus was 30 years of age at this time. And so this commences the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So he's consecrated for ministry. Now he's, commenced his, he's about to commence his ministry. But Jesus did something by also coming here to the Jordan to be baptized by John. He validates John's baptism. And it's easy to overlook that. That the Messiah, the Jesus, the Christ, rather, comes to the Jordan to be baptized by John 
And he's saying, yes, John is a true prophet. He is the one who was to come. His baptism is indeed valid, and you should be going through there. Did you know that it looks like about six of Jesus' first 12 disciples were sent to him by John? So Jesus invalidating this is present as the Son of God. John baptizes him, and out of nowhere, to everyone but John, surprise, the voice of the Father, this is my Son whom I love. John had been told that he would see the Holy Spirit, a light on the Messiah. For some reason, John didn't think it was Jesus when Jesus went down in the water. When he came up, he knew for sure exactly who Jesus was. It's later when he's pointing out there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that his disciples leave him and go attach themselves to Jesus and follow him. And Jesus sees them again later and says, keep coming. Don't give up now. But the Father's response in Jesus' baptism is a nugget there that I think all of us can be happy about. He's pleased. When's the last time you experienced God's pleasure? Really, his, his pleasure. Think about that for a moment. His pleasure with you. We know what happened at your baptism. But his grace and mercy and love have followed you all your days. Have you not felt it? The reminder here that the baptism was the commencement of the ministry, just like it was the commencement of your journey. But this theophany, and a theophany is whenever the Trinity shows up, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This theophany is a big event. It's a big deal. But it's John that appears to see it. What a reward that is for faithful ministry. It's not clear that anyone else actually saw it. The whole thing. They needed John to tell them, right? It's sort of like uh, the teacher that has to grade school kid's paper. And she's looking at it, and there's so many mistakes. Oh, my goodness. She calls the kid up and says, how, how could you possibly make this many mistakes? What, what, what happened here? No, no one person could do this all by himself. And the kid said, I didn't. My mom and dad helped. <laughs> sharing the scene, sharing the stage. Let no good deed go unpunished, right, parents? But that's the commencement of Christ's ministry. And then we move into the third reason, which is commissioning. So what's Jesus supposed to do after he's baptized? You're the son of God. You don't have any sin. You get baptized just so all your followers will eventually get baptized and receive the grace, mercy, and love, forgiveness of sins, salvation through baptism. You commence your ministry. 
You're about to go into public preaching, calling disciples. What's he supposed to do after that? His commissioning is to actually do the will of his Father. It's not just an example. It's what he did. Recall the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Do any of you have a commission in Christianity that exceeds that? Probably not. That's it. It's called the Great Commission for that reason. Christ himself says it. Christ himself did it. This is what his baptism meant. Does that, is that what your baptism means to you? I'm now on that commission. I've been commissioned. Or as our preschoolers used to, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, okay. So Jesus says he was baptized in order to fill, fulfill all righteousness. In Luke 1, verse 77, Zechariah, speaking of John the Baptist, says John will baptize people, among other reasons, but this one in particular, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. This, too, is what your baptism accomplishes. It's what Christ's baptism commissions. So the baptism of our Lord should remind us of our own baptism. And that baptism not only lets us participate in Jesus' victory over sin and death, but calls us to our own personal holiness and discipleship. And so when you boil it all down, the Great Commission is the essence of how we fulfill our baptismal mandate to become saints. Paul took this, and in Romans chapter 6, explain to the Jews in Rome what baptism was. And should you go on sinning, what happens at baptism? The new flesh comes on you. You are transmogrified. Love that word. Apparently that means to change by some sort of magic. Or I have to look up what it means. <laughs> magic or unknown force. What shall we do then? Continue to sin? This is why John said to the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees, uh, no, you won't get to, as an adult, ask for baptism. You don't sin, so grace may increase. We've been baptized into Christ Jesus. We've been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And that newness of life, that transmogrification, happens, of course, by the magic of the Holy Spirit. And so unlike little Johnny's parents who are shocked at the revelation that Johnny wants to live with them and not in a Christian home, 
we, ask, we need to ask ourselves, are we living up to our baptismal vows? Have we as parents? Are you children living up to your baptismal vows? Do you remember them? I know you four do, but the rest of us. Or are we like uh, Lucy in the Peanuts comic strip, where she says to Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole world. Charlie Brown just kind of looks at her and says, well, I thought you had inner peace. Lucy says, I do have inner peace. I just have outer obnoxiousness. <laughs> so unlike my catechism class, when I say, well, why do people call me a Christian? And they say, well, maybe they don't know you. Ouch. We don't want that to be the case. We want people to know you. And we want them to know you are a Christian. We want them to know that you've been baptized into the Lord. That you worship in both truth and spirit. With all your actions, with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind. Remember your baptism. On this day, the second Sunday of Epiphany. Please pray with me. Eternal and almighty God. We thank you that in your church you have instituted baptism in your name. And that in baptism, you promise to be our father, to save us from sin through Jesus Christ, your son, our redeemer, and to regenerate and sanctify us by your Holy Spirit. Receive our prayers, Lord. Let them be pleasing to you. Amen.